welcome to the uh, Reskilling, Reusing event for June 2019. That was the musical intro with a, a harmonica that was purchased uh, at a used uh, music store here in town. It's called Musical Round. And it was like 10 bucks, and it's a nice harmonica. And also the, uh, the flute there, which is a recorder, called a recorder. That thing is uh, probably five bucks. And uh, it's a great way to make music, just for uh, kicks and all that kind of stuff. So I just want to say that you know, the intro music can be profound, or it can be as simple as what I just said. And so here we are at the um, public library in Portland. And I am busy uh, getting this thing to uh, full screen mode because I can now show the entire uh, uh, slide that I have presented and that I've got available for, uh, for use if you want to because anybody can come to this reskilling event. I was going to pop up, have uh, Facebook popped up to show that there is an event under uh, Portland now. Um, which is the neighborhood association, um, but since there's uh, the availability of, of uh, me to just go with the slideshow that I've produced, then I'll just go with the slideshow that I've produced, as a matter of fact. And, <clears throat> and so I, I'm feeling pretty okay with the, with the layout. I got the microphone. I got the recording with uh, Audacity with the, with the computer, which is a free download. Uh, software and then also my recording device on my Android, which is a $40 Android, and it records for uh, way over an hour. Uh, so I'm really liking the ability to uh, to have uh, multi-media uh, here at the at, uh, at the library on the last Tuesday of every month, and it just happens to be uh, like I said, June 2019. And what is this uh, reskilling we're using? It's basically a retreat where we uh, try to do re on everything. Re, which means kind of like thinking again. Um, we re everything and we can re-X everything. So it's the Rex, Rex Wichimajigger or the Rex realm. And uh, we also do a little life hacks, resilience, uh, refusing to do things, redressing our government grievances and rescuing people if we, uh, and, uh, and renewing, uh, et cetera. The principle is that uh, certainly people can have ideas like reskilling, reusing in their own, I don't know, living rooms. They can also bring that into their homes, block, neighborhood, city, state, home, continent, and, uh, and world. So that's the idea of uh, the philosophy is that that which is small is also very big. It's all, it's all very applicable. So things that are real on a small level can also be implicated in a very large level. So let's get used to uh, basically um, looking at things in an awesome way. And I've got slides. This the uh, second slide is of the Engelbrot set and the Rose Malling you know, pictures of curly cues indicating that uh, which is small, which can also be uh, that which is universally or multi-universally uh, large. And that and things we talk about are the things that are said here, which is just an enormous amount of, uh, of different things, which is <clears throat> perfectly fine, which is, uh, you know, all 13 items. Let me see if I can, how fast I can say them. What's your rationale for doing things? Well, how, uh, what's uh, science and engineering? 
Um, what about some art expression activities? How about fulfilling yourself? Or how about food, transportation, uh, heat, cool, and uh, keeping a happy home, keeping hygiene and clean, uh, relationships, um, bullying, and uh, sharing solutions with others, being comfortable to say no. And I think there's another one, but I can't quite read it just because the way I think this is set up is just, all right, well, I'll have to live with that. And uh, the next here is uh, is the, the whole idea about how to do a uh, project. <clears throat> so the, the idea of a uh, project management is to uh, have something that needs to be done and then just uh, do it. And it looks like I've lost my uh, video slide presentation to PDF. And it'll certainly be up in a short amount of time on metageni.com slash reskill. Um, but as it is, the computer is really uh, full in the hard drive. And, uh, and so what happens is that it takes a while for things to move along, but that's good. Uh, project management, um, here I got the first slide finally, uh, has all kinds of to do with you know how much is it going to cost, what's the timing, What's the scope? How does it integrate with uh, leaders that have control over things or have in input? Um, what kind of people are you going to do and how you can actually do it? What's the risk you're going to take? How are you going to communicate to others? It can be done. So um, to not be overwhelmed, just uh, take what you want and go with it. So I think I'm going to jump into uh, what is uh, on the passion chart as far as I'm concerned uh, last May I talked about things that were uh, available to me to talk about reskilling, reusing, resilience, and uh, life hacking uh, in the realm of what I was interested in back then and now. It's the end of June and we got a whole other smorgasbord of stuff. So uh, I don't know that it's available for me to uh, see what slide number it is. It's not obvious, just ba basically the way that the that it's working is that my laptop is tied to the TV, which makes it only about 95% of the screen, so there's a lot of controls I can't control. And I can only do that when I'm in the library, and when I'm in the library, I'm running kind of late, so I don't really necessarily have the ability to know exactly uh, how to control all the parameters for viewing everything, so I don't really know what slide it is, number, slide number it is, unfortunately. But I do for sure know that there's a canoe, it's a picture, it's a canoe in the foreground and a river uh, and then a bridge in the background and, and a beach. And that is a picture of m me when the water was really low and exposed lots of nice uh, beachy sand there on the Ohio River uh, in Portland. This is uh, Shippenport Island uh, um, boat launch. and. As you can uh, see, it is on, I think, Sand Island or something like that. And so no one can get to it except swimming or on a boat. So it's kind of fun to uh, to be there. It's not hard to get there. Uh, sometimes the current is rough and then you have to work a little hard at, um, you know, getting along. But I think I may have touched on that a little bit last month when I just started out doing a little bit of Canoeing, and this month I did a lot more. And you'll see in this reskilling, reusing event that I have a few slides that I want to share 
uh, that are in regards to outings that are uh, on the canoe. And in fact, my latest anchor article, which is yet to come out, uh, has a lot to do uh, with canoeing on the river as well. <clears throat> now, one thing I wanted to do to make sure I don't forget uh, is I, you know, put my my T-shirt uh, out in an awkward manner, just so me, so I can remind myself to talk about um, T-shirt transitions. And so what I mean is that uh, T-shirts in hot, humid weather can be uh, really stymieing and not helpful for um, cooling off. And of course, being by the river is very cool, but yet if you have a heavy T-shirt on, it does not help anything. T-shirts are useful to keep away the harmful uh, effects of the sun directly on your uh, neck and shoulders, of course. And so what has happened is that I've taken a white t-shirt, which is white, which is reflects all sun, and uh, cut uh, the arms, not the seam, but the, uh, the arm sleeves, and then also cut uh, arm sleeves that go down maybe a little bit um, below the armpits, maybe six inches below that, so you just put a scissors. And, um, and cut away. And then at the midriff, you just cut it so that it doesn't can't be tucked in, uh, but yet it's long enough so that mosquitoes don't attack your exposed skin. So it's, uh, it's nicely, nicely timed, uh, nicely worked out in order to be designed to be effective, um, but yet not hot. And this can be just regular cotton. Uh, obviously, there's other. Uh, fabrics that people can uh, use and have used, uh, but cotton t-shirts are so abundant it's just kind of crazy. Uh, so the uh, so that slide is the whole introduction to canoeing on the river. The next slide, which I really didn't have time to kind of uh, label and maximize, but just rather just kind of get it up there from the camera to um, photos.google over over to the um, PowerPoint presentation um, software, <clears throat> which there there's a, a non-Microsoft um, version of that that works just as well. I uh, forget what it's called. Maybe on yeah, maybe I'm not going to remember it uh, right off the top of my head. But uh, you just throw these things up on a presentation slide. Open office, maybe. And the slide here is a picture of the middle of the screen. It's of the canoe that is in a really high high water and a high flow because there's uh, lots of things that are happening. There's uh, hydroelectricity and a, just a regular dam that flows over, all happening and redirects the current of the Ohio in vicious ways. So the current. The, doesn't, the water doesn't really know where it needs to go because it's all uh, discombobulated. Uh, it's been flowing all the way down from Pittsburgh and Charleston, West Virginia, uh, having a happy time, and then it hits uh, the dock, locking the dam and hydroelectric up, and it uh, gets all goofy. So the water churns like crazy, and uh, if you go out different times, different weeks, uh, the water level will be enormously different. So the picture here is that the water is way above 
the normal island, and you can only see just the tree trunks, and you have to canoe uh, past the tree trunk. And of course, it's pretty shallow, but not too shallow. Uh, and these trees are used to being um, um, uh, you know, um, flooded and then uh, receded uh, all throughout the year. And so that's that's kind of a fun adventure to be uh, on a canoe uh, to navigate that stuff. Of course, it's uh, reskilling, reusing, and also just plain old exercise uh, while trying to kind of do something, which is um, transportation and navigation. The slide to the right is uh, also near that, but it's on uh, Sand Island again. Uh, you can see the red-orange canoe in the background and the river. And then a little more closer, there is a blue 55-gallon drum, which is going to take, but it's full of something. I didn't know what it was full of. Probably water, but I couldn't easily unseal the lid, and so I couldn't drain the water. Uh, at all, and so it had to stay there, and so it stayed. Uh, and I also found uh, in the foreground of that picture, looks like milkweed. I think there's a big stand of milkweed right there. So um, Victoria um, um, butterflies, or what are they called? Um, the other kind of butterflies, monarchs, love that. So that's kind of great to see. The Next slide is a uh, picture of a lot of water. And then in the background, way in the background, you can see uh, downtown Louisville that's framed by the hydroelectric dam and the regular uh, dam of the, uh, of the Ohio Works there. So uh, it's kind of fun to be uh, out there with such powerful raging water. Uh, and yet be surprised by seeing the city in the background. It's not a picture that one sees very often. You really have to be in a boat in order to get that view. The slide to the lower right is a re is a what? A life hack, reskill, something like that. It has to do with the um, um, I was taking the canoe back to the uh, automobile you know, put it on top of the deck and then tie it down and head on home. Uh, but I found that the current was so strong uh, on the rocks that I, uh, well, in the transition between, there's a rocky section and a sandy section here in the, in the port, in the shipping port island. And with the rocks, I could um, navigate with my paddle up, but I couldn't go to where the sandy part is because the all of a sudden there was a turn in the river and the current got way too strong and just whipped the canoe around. So after a couple of times, I just got out of the rocky part and I found that the tip of the canoe always smashed into the rocks. And so I had to push the front of the canoe away while moving the canoe forward in the presence of a pretty strong current. So then you had a rope, which is to, uh, you had to, um, you know, push the canoe forward, the canoe, the paddle to keep the canoe at a distance, and uh, somehow it moved along, migrated in such a way that uh, I was able to get to the sandy shore, take the boat then, put it on the sand, and just um, carry, drag the boat with the rope uh, up to the landing, 
Uh, and then there's a boat ramp where you, you just put the canoe on your shoulders and then walk straight up to a waiting car. And uh, canoe is about 95 pounds, so one has to be able to obviously um, somehow lift it over the head. Uh, and uh, you, there's other tricks and maneuvers that one can do if one's uh, not able to just kind of flip it around like that. Uh, and then, but I probably won't say that for uh, not this particular moment. A little bit uh, also in this month, there was like weekends and where I was just like, oh, I think today I'm going to go out for a, a little bit of a spin on the canoe. And I went up uh, Silver Creek, which is in Indiana, the other side of the river. So I paddled across the river, went up to Silver Creek and uh, just to see what it was and went as far as I could, which is maybe like a mile up, and then I ran into this waterfall, which really kind of beautiful. The river was very quiet and mellow. All of a sudden, there's this roaring waterfall, which kind of made it fun. And uh, it's, There's, I think, a couple of, um, obviously, rail uh, car bridges there, uh, and lots of uh, anglers trying to get to catch fish. Uh, but that that is really a, a, a fun surprise. I didn't expect that at all when I was canoeing up because the next slide is a picture of you know, me canoeing in this very mellow um, Silver, Silver Creek. And you can see in the distance that there is a bridge. There's actually two bridges. The closest bridge is an old van railroad bridge. And then the second bridge in the distance there is a brand new bike path. And when I did get close, uh, I did notice that there were quite a few bikers. I think it was probably a, a Sunday uh, late morning or a Saturday late morning. And uh, they you know, stopped and said hi, some of them. And uh, some people on wheelchairs were on it. So I haven't gone on that uh, yet because I have a hard time getting my bicycle over to Indiana um, because the K&I Bridge is not open for biking and then you have to take your bike into the, in your car and put in the Sherman Mitten Freeway Bridge and then that just takes like a big deal just to go biking over here where there's great biking um, on the Kentucky side. So I haven't biked there, but it sure is enticing. Another thing that happened this uh, month when I was canoeing is the next slide, which is to the left, was a exceedingly high uh, water day. And I said, well, I wonder what it's like to canoe when it's really high water. And uh, so this here's a picture on the Indiana shore. I made it across, and it was wild. Those waves were really big crashing into the boat and I had to keep my uh, tip of my boat uh, into the waves obviously otherwise it would rock too much and it would be a dangerous situation but I know how to steer the canoe and uh, found myself migrating nicely uh, to the far side of the river although I did find myself going downstream quite a ways and so I had to uh, in order to get to this landing here which is George Rogers, Rogers Clark uh, memorial um, house. Uh, I needed to go along the shore in Indiana, which made me 
uh, be up against some weird and wild uh, floating uh, debris, which was smashed uh, along the shore uh, since the water was raging right by it. There's all kinds of weird eddies that are created. But I made it, and, uh, and I've got stories to tell about it, right? And on the right bottom, there's a picture of uh, just a, maybe a block away, there's the old red Rogers, Rogers Clark uh, cabin. It's um, uh, overlooking the river with a nice um, sleepy family of Canadian geese or something like that. So that's a picture from the porch uh, of that house uh, overlooking a, a fun river, which is, there's an island there completely like almost all gone. <clears throat> kind of kind of fun to see um, the changes that are happening there. But yet still opportunities can be done when you're an awesome canoeer like me. One thing that happens when one is canoeing is you find stuff along the shore. So I wanted to just stop off for just for fun. I, I saw the big cable, a uh, big rope that maybe barges use or something. And I said, hey, I'm going to see if I can, you know, find a use for that just for fun, whatnot. So I, you know, had to take some time uh, untangling it from trees. It gets high water and it gets wrapped around the trees so many times it's unbelievable. Um, and then I also found a piece of metal, uh, sheet metal, a long strip, maybe you know, eight, ten feet long, foot wide, pretty strong construction, but yet still malleable. I could bend it just barely. And so I you know, moved the electrical conduit that was from it and rolled it up into a, a roll and put it in the canoe. And I was also going to put the, uh, the rope in there, but I forgot. And then the next week it got super high uh, as far as um, the level of the water, so that rope is quite literally gone. So I won't ever get that again, but it just so happens that maybe just a couple of days ago I was on the river and I found a rope very similar to that on the Kentucky side, so I, I'm, oh, I wonder if it's the same rope, hmm. but probably not. I think there's just a lot of rope that gets left behind from all these um, barges that slip by. The next slide is just a solid wash of words, and it's long, and it talks about uh, how the, the pluses and minuses and all the opportunities and ins and outs of canoeing in, uh, in, in Louisville and how to make it happen, implications and uh, ramifications, <clears throat> all kinds of things that happen along the way and what uh, what people can do for first steps and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, by the way, here you can see I, I have uh, brought some refreshments, some raisins and corn candy, peanuts and some cookies as well as an apple for those who want and some water too. But uh, this, um, I think is a nice um, article, and I hope they print it in its entirety, although it's a little long. And it, there is the uh, anchor 
newspaper coming out probably two two days from now. So we'll get to see what uh, whether they printed it or not. <clears throat> so enough about canoeing already. And that's in fact, uh, you know, when I, when I say one thing I say in the article, like I've had just a boat enough of this, um, which is pretty funny. So we can move on to something else. Thank you very much. The thing I want to move on next to could be reskilling, reusing, resilience, um, re-rescue, rescue, or whatever. But here it is. I saw a house um, on in Portland. And it's a fair enough house. It's got a nice, cute door. You can do things with your door if you want to. But I noticed that their front lawn had really big logs in it. And so they took some, maybe, uh, some logs from you know down on the beach. And there are lots of logs down on the beach, especially at high water. They're just waiting for you. You just take uh, some rope and haul it up. And this isn't too far from the river. so. Maybe that's what they did, but in any case, uh, on the left side and the right side of the house, they've got lots of logs that they use for ornaments and maybe some borders uh, between plants. I'm not sure. I didn't have a long time to look, um, but I just took, I snapped the picture and, uh, and moved on, um, probably on my way to work biking or something like that. Um, but it only goes to show that there are. Uh, any any way in many ways to do your front yard and it could be just a piece of wood. Uh, now comes the next uh, picture. <clears throat> there could be a section here of plants, planting, and uh, garden, gardening, etc. This is a picture of ivy that has just been planted moments before. Uh, this is on the uh, side of a shed and the ivy can climb up the shed, I suppose. Or maybe get a lattice and go up the lattice. But well, first of all, let's see if it's going to survive. It is uh, also next to a downspout where there is a, a lean-to or a horse, uh, a carport. And uh, so if there's water that goes down uh, and fills this area every time it rains. So this ivy is going to get a lot of water uh, when it rains. And uh, apparently this ivy, you can just basically take it from any place you want to and just snap off and stick it in the ground because it is... Uh, quite effective in its ability to uh, root, take root, and multiply. So uh, in this instance, there's sections that, uh, large sections underground, and then large sections that are not underground. And we'll see whether or not it makes it or not. And quite honestly, I don't really care if it makes it or not, because it is in a, it's, it's, uh, it used to be just weeds, and now it has the opportunity of really being something. Uh, and hopefully, you know, obviously the ivy will take, but something's going to go there, and it's not just uh, silly, noxious weeds. And uh, so I have 
Cindy to thank for providing those uh, IV plans for me. So thank you, Cindy. Plenty more if they don't take it. Yep, yep, exactly. So anyway, moving on, I'm going to talk a little bit more about plants and gardening and gardens and planting. Uh, here's an instance where there happens to have been a reuse of a fence post for another house and a hole was dug to dig up the fence post. And in order to, one needs dirt in order to fill it up and didn't have dirt right handy, so you just throw a, a log which has yet to be chopped and turned into firewood. Just throw the log in there so no one falls and breaks their ankle, right? Well, lo and behold, a month later, magnificent uh, shelf mushrooms are growing out of that. And I can see why, because I know the yard has mushroom or fungus from mushroom in it, and they, fungus, love wood, and so they just invaded that uh, piece and, uh, and went for it. It could also be that the wood already had lots of fungus in it from the other side of the yard, and it's just a moist, dark environment. I don't know, but it's a home run because someone told me, and I need to double check on this, that every kind of mushroom that grows from a shelf on a tree is edible. It's not, there's no poisonous ones. You know, obviously you go to Amazon jungle, you can probably find one, but you know, you just Take a knife, rip it off, and you have, it's really a tough. So you got to make turn it into soup, stew, tea. Uh, you're not, or you could just chew it all day. The next slide is a, a picture of uh, of uh, you know, uh, Cindy taking on Creeping Charlie, her ground clover. And it can kind of take over the yard, and the best way to do it is to, to get rid of it is to not mow it, but to just grab it with your hands and, uh, and then just probably stick it into um, the, the a place where it can't compost. Because uh, if you put it in the compost, it'll just re-dirt uh, uh, root and, uh, and become a problem again, and apparently. also, it has chemicals it releases and I don't want to take the chance of putting that in the compost because just like walnut trees, they do that whole chemical into the ground to kill the plants around it. That doesn't do. And interesting, this year I've seen a lot more Creeping Charlie around the entire Portland neighborhood than I've seen it before. So it seems to me that some of these weeds kind of come and go. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, the way to get rid of it is to just take it up in your fingers and put it away where the sun don't shine for sure and in this instance i think cindy worked her fingers so hard that they uh the uh your the finger tips were kind of really swollen a little bit yeah. so she had a fingertip um fingerprint uh thing on her um, on her app and it wouldn't have recognized her because your finger was so swollen Funny, funny. That's that's not a reskill. That's just a happening. I'm wondering if creeping And as it is, there is ways to contend with it when it appears, and that's all kind of 
that's, that's a good point. <clears throat> now, as I mentioned, we're not talking about canoeing anymore because uh, we're done with that. And I'm just random other things that come up because this is a random event, this reskilling, reusing, life hack, resilience, whatever. And so I was just biking across the walkway between Lannan Park, maybe Lannan Park, I think, uh, and I noticed, oh, this is not Lannan Park, this is over by maybe 25th, no, yeah, 18th, something like that. Uh, and I noticed there's a nice view downtown that's so cute. And there's a there's a fence there, and obviously the picture shows that fence. And it would be so nice to have a. Uh, I was thinking about this. I said I should take this picture because there's something that kind of can be done here. And then I thought about it and I said, wouldn't it be fun to put up a, like a sign or something on the inside of the fence? Not the outside because the federal government, the highway patrol would not like the fact that there's something exposed and could fall and hurt and then they sue the federal government and that's not going to work. So maybe on the inside there could be some sort of a sign uh, or a picture or a rainbow or whatnot uh, rather than just having uh, you know, a, a fence, which is nice, but there can be more because uh, we have language and we can think about ideas together. So um, that's just out there in the ether and in various cerebellums for memory. Creeping Charlie is a... Creeping Charlie is a, is a perennial that comes back. Well, as you can see, this next picture after that is a picture of, again, Creeping Charlie all around the frame. But in the center, there is uh, lots of potted plants from the People's Garden which was a gift, uh, presuming that all of the plants that uh, were taken are to be put in community gardens, rec centers, and uh, in libraries, etc. So uh, gathered some, and I'm in the process now of doing just that. And uh, just moments before this event, I went to the rec center and dropped off a squash plant and said, you guys got time tomorrow to plant this? And they said, well, sure, I probably. We didn't have a field trip, so we should be around. And, uh, and so that's, that's that, which is if you plant something and grow it in the greenhouse, you never know what good things can happen. So uh, good for Louisville Groves for creating that environment uh, for good things to happen. Obviously, all spring I was thinking about doing this myself, saying, oh, I should put seeds in and grow starts and all that. But it is so hard to be an awesome person. But, uh, but, yet, but yet we persist. This next slide is of the community garden. And there's a lot going on in this. There's three pictures. The middle picture is a bunch of seeds that are in paper towels that are on a stump in a garden, in the community garden. They were sitting uh, indoors all winter because these are seeds from a from winter squash that was uh, purchased by uh, purchased uh, from me by 
uh, new routes, and I'm going to—they're starting up again. So anybody who wants to do new routes, um, I think it's weekly or bi-weekly, bi-weekly. Uh, um, Food—you can go get it. And you can—they take—they have—they have different pricing uh, scales for sure. But uh, the the seeds were moistened and put into the uh, a raised bed, which is to the left. And the raised bed from last year produced some nice cucumbers. I uh, just put a pitchfork in there and uh, ruffled up, removed the weeds, and then put in the squash or winter squash, whatever it is. I'm not sure what it is because there are several different ones that uh, are available. But every single one of them sprouted, and I have to say they're continuing to be robust in their growth. Uh, so I've really never had 100% um, germination like I have here, and I'm quite impressed with locally grown nice squash, whereas you buy them from the store, or maybe you get some year or two old ones, and they lose their ability, their viability goes down. But this is uh, the bee's knees. There are some beds, and I'm looking, talking about the bed on the right, the, the picture on the right. There are some beds that were so full of weeds that if you pull up the weeds, all of the dirt would have been gone from the bed. So in order to free the weeds from the, um, from the dirt, I basically couldn't. And so I'm composting the weeds by pouring, putting the, uh, all the dirt on one side of the raised bed and making sure that it's only black dirt exposed and then that'll slowly kill the most of the uh, weeds and then that'll liberate uh, the soil uh, to be a regular uh, garden. I noticed that after a couple of weeks this is probably 95% working. There are a few weeds that are coming back and uh, have to fix that up. But this happened in about three of the beds um, that there's just not enough soil uh, to like pick up a weed and throw it to the side with all the soil. Uh, you actually have to save the soil. And soil is a premium because the dirt in this partic particular garden, which is the 30th in Portland, uh, doesn't have uh, good dirt in its base yet to bring it in. Louisville Groves has lots of dirt in its back. Yeah, lots of soil in the back alley, so if everyone, anyone wants to uh, avail themselves, I guess they can if you have a community garden, maybe. Um, and in the, and just a reminder, at the community garden at 30th and Portland, there is a uh, lots of fruit trees and lots of grapes and blackberries figs and blackberries are in season right now, so uh, welcome. Uh, if you do come, just do a little weeding or do something um, as, as payback because that's what community gardens uh, are meant to be like. And here is another picture of an experiment which failed. Uh, it was in the back deck. I put... I put, I put a seed, I, 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 this is an egg carton and uh, it was, I waterlogged it and it's a, like a pie tin. So 
so there's just a lot of water in there. Uh, put some dirt in, and uh, first of all, I put a seed in there in the dry, in the next next to the uh, egg carton, and then I put soil on top of it. And I think that's why it didn't germinate, like it, all the rest of them have germinated in in the in the raised bed. Uh, I do I do have just some seeds on the upper left corner of this pie tin that are still in the paper towel and they are germinating but not in the soil when the seed is touching the bottom next to the egg carton so I'm I thought it was going to be a huge win and it turned out to be the worst um, of all my experiments with those seeds weird they've been dry too I have not waterlogged them yeah, so it's the weirdest thing. Um, but still, experiments can go on, especially when you have awesome seeds in abundance. The next uh, slide is a picture of a sidewalk, um, just demonstrating kind of cascades of uh, foods that are available uh, just in a front yard. So the right corner is our leaves from a persimmon tree that when it gets big enough, I'll have persimmons. And there's like three or four trees there. And persimmons are a fruit where I don't think maybe people recognize that they're very delicious. They just don't know what a persimmon tree is. And if they try to eat them too soon, they taste like cotton balls. So you have to wait to the right time, and then they're fantastic. Persimmons. Persimmons. And the lower left of the picture is our onions that were uh, just onion sets purchased from Kroger a couple of years ago. I had some extras left over, threw them in the ground, and they're growing up. So then there could be a harvest uh, of onions when they start to uh, die back. That means that their energy is going into the bulb, and I'll just uh, harvest them. Yeah, the onion flowers, they produce a lot of seeds. If one wants to grow onions from seeds, well, there you go, too. Or maybe it'll just reseed itself. Who knows? And then on the other side of the sidewalk, you will see to the left, you have an abundance of raspberry bushes. And hidden behind there uh, is some blueberry bushes, which you, which are fighting quite nicely, but they're not producing blueberries. They need more sun. Uh, so I'll have to cut that down in order to make the blueberries uh, harvest, because they're really, they're about five feet tall and doing well. So I'm glad to see that. And on the right, next to the house, uh, is a grapevine. So what happened is that uh, I took a cutting of a branch from a grapevine and stuck it in the ground and just watered it, and it grew. So this is just from a cutting, and uh, it's very prolific. I think there's three of them. Again, I may have mentioned, but I can imagine take, putting a 4x4 four four in the middle of the yard and then training the grapes to um, go in the arbor rather than to go up the side of the house. And then obviously the, um, the trademark uh, activity happening in this picture is the peach tree which is uh, growing quite nicely although there's so many things wrong with this tree. Uh, first of all it doesn't have a base. It's flying off in three or four different directions and it's too tall 
and it wasn't trimmed this winter, and uh, but yet there are a lot of uh, peaches on it, and it, I don't mean to uh, say that all peach trees should be done well. I'm only just showing this picture to demonstrate that there can be layer upon layer of food in front yards, and it's not illegal to do that. Now, why do I care about that? Well, because probably food availability might go down those tubes because I think the, all the way from Ohio to Nebraska, the whole country is underwater and all the corn and soybean crops are like down unbelievably bad. So, you know, get a couple of years of that and you're looking at, well, I can eat raspberries. The next slide is like, I think, three pictures of uh, something I, I've been doing in uh, gardening aspects. And I will start by the picture on the left, which is so vivid, it's got that nice orange wall. Thank you, Rec Center, for having an orange wall. And last year I had some hay bales that were left over from an event. Uh, and I you know, put them there and had some tomatoes grow nicely. And this year, I kind of stacked them up. Uh, they're kind of half decayed at this point, which is not a bad thing if you're going to be wanting to uh, grow plants in half decayed things, right? And uh, so I stuck a very tall tomato plant uh, in there. And I stuck it way deep because tomato plants, they can root anywhere along their entire uh, shaft. And so uh, it doesn't look like it's very tall, but that plant, that tomato plant on the left, which you can hardly even see, is really, really a tall and um, surrounded by lots of wet straw. Now there is a second um, tomato plant, which I planted in the dirt, and then I put wood chips around it. And we'll see what uh, that happens what happens to that. There happens to be a lot of wood chips over on the other side of the rec center. The picture, the center picture at the bottom is a picture of uh, those wood chips. And I don't know what's going to happen. They're probably going to just put it around the whole uh, center underneath various bushes, etc. So I don't think they mind too much that I use it as an experiment to see the difference between growing a tomato in a little um, pile of wood chips versus a pile of half-rotting hay. Uh, what can happen here at the rec center is that it can be totally destroyed in a heartbeat. I get that. So there are more tomato plants, there's more hay, there's more wood chips. The experiment can go on even if it gets destroyed 20 times. The picture on the right is a hay bale which is uh, dropped off last year by Louisville Groves, thanks, at the community garden and I rolled it from the big pile into the center of uh, the garden along with a couple more now and I'm ready to start um, breaking ground, you know, boring a hole in it and um, putting some dirt and, and putting some plants on it and see if it, uh, it goes. That, it's like, I think they're $5 on Craigslist for a hay bale. You probably get them for cheaper than that, but. Uh, if you don't have a raised bed and you got really bad soil, just buy a hay bale and you can either try it this year or wait a year. Uh, it's very waterlogged. It 
it gets very wet and stays wet. Uh, so that for growing plants, that's a huge feature. Uh, so that's an ongoing, soon-to-be experiment uh, where the beds are being prepared. The next picture is of those same squashes on the very top that are growing uh, quite nicely every, since, every single one of them, and uh, they're doing well. And in the middle, from left to right there, they're uh, planted some potatoes that in the house sprouted pretty severely, so I just buried them, and uh, they're growing uh, quite nicely as well. I guess you're supposed to plant them about two feet down, and it's supposed to take its time tunneling up and then leaving nodes of potatoes along all its way, but I just planted three inches, so maybe I won't get a as big of a crop as others who are more experienced, but then again, um, it is what it is. And then the the uh, plants growing at the very bottom of the slide are uh, garlic, which is a special variety that is given to me by my brother who lives in the other Portland, the West Portland, out there by Washington and California. And uh, this, so they're, they're growing as well. Garlic apparently is a good way to keep away insects. So if you have garlic, just intersperse them everywhere. And uh, somehow I guess the uh, bugs may not like that, nor uh, rodents as well, I'm, I'm told. But uh, then we may come back to that in a little bit. The next slide. <coughs> is a picture of a stump with a big hole in it. And uh, when I was biking back from work, uh, for a couple weeks I just noticed the thing, just, uh, the stump just sitting there on the bike path uh, near the home. And I said, well, why don't I go ahead and wheel it? So Cindy and I rolled it with our feet uh, to our backyard. And there it is, ready to have soil added to it. And then we'll put a uh, plant uh, in it and uh, water it, and it'll be a fun place for a microenvironment for plants to grow. And I do have a picture of where it finally ended up and a picture of newly planted uh, squash in, in another stump that was just like that. But I couldn't get my Google um, pictures to sink and so I couldn't pull it down from the internet and so I don't have that picture. You just have to imagine that this can be just as good then uh, of a uh, nice little nest of plants amongst uh, some tree trunks as my next door neighbor which I showed in slides from last month. That's a natural planter plant. Yeah, natural plant The next slide is the status update, and maybe I have um, described the library garden in, uh, in, the, in last month, um, refilling, reusing vents. And this is a depiction of the status now. And as you can tell, things are roaring. The soil is good, there's a lot of moisture, and a couple of the herbs are being were run over by a lawnmower. They are only 50% wonderful. Um, but I think the 
know, they need to be staked so that the lawnmower person knows to not run past them. Uh, but there's the tomato plants have tomatoes on them. The squash plant has uh, flowers on them. Uh, so what? And the echinacea plant, which was the leaves were stripped clean, are coming back. So I'm thinking that echinacea, highly edible uh, flowering plant, uh, probably was eaten by a groundhog, and they ripped it bare, but the roots uh, helped it come back because uh, there was that stem there which wasn't eaten by the, the rodent. Uh, and uh, so that's the status is you have a garden and rodents can eat it, but it'll come back. You also have, uh, I think one of these barrels were tipped over by a human being. And uh, so library staff just right-sided it up again and it keeps on rolling. Uh, we have extra plants uh, that we can replant if there is more shenanigans that happen uh, in the neighborhood. Uh, we'll just make sure that we have uh, a library garden that is thriving and is a, a couple of things. It educates people that you can grow stuff out of almost nothing. This used to be just grass a couple of years ago and then also uh, that they can do it themselves and also creates a peaceful place. You know, it's, a, it's a nice spot to, uh, to imagine uh, good food being created. And so I've, I've seen some people just hanging out in the back uh, and uh, enjoying. And I think that creates a space for such. Uh, the next slide uh, it has to do with something I saw at work, and it has to do with painting rocks with um, kind notions on them. And uh, so, you, so the uh, thing, the thing is, is that uh, employees at lunchtime can go and uh, paint a rock with nice things, and then I don't know, they give it to someone or take it to give it to someone else, or maybe they're gonna. Who knows what they're going to do with it, but the idea, I guess, is to uh, fertilize, um, you know, kindness, and uh, and that's a, that's a good thing, I guess. And another thing I noticed at uh, work was office supplies reuse. So I don't get to see the word reuse very much in life, except for just the uh, reskilling and reusing event. And here they have uh, desire to kind of swap. Uh, office products if you need this or that, you can just uh, swap it and reuse it. So uh, I guess it's nice when it's a thing. <clears throat> uh, here is a, my last picture of, uh, I don't know, I'd say maybe there's a resilience or a life hack or something, but there's a like a 400 pound tabletop made out of cement and it was kind of falling into the yard and the idea was to you know, take it out and uh, wheel it over for to put in the van and, and uh, bring over to Portland and put it up and turn it into a picnic table rather than just this weird thing on the ground. And it required a certain amount of uh, resilience and stick to 
Yeah, to, um, you know, there was a dolly, and then I got some, I found a stick, and I found a two-by-four, and uh, some other things. Yeah, the pedestal, it also has a pedestal, so it actually becomes a picnic table. It's right next to, um, yeah, yeah, the garage. So, anyway, that's the end uh, of the pictures that I've taken, which uh, are only useful in terms of captivating people's imaginations through uh, images and then um, moving uh, towards conversation with respect to the, uh, you know, what the images produce. Another way to produce imagination and conversation is to uh, use music. So we'll just start um, to the, in the music aspect of our, our event here, which is probably turning up to be about, uh, oh, we're already at an hour, wow. But <clears throat> the the, uh, the trouble with normal is that things always tend to be getting worse and worse, and that's on a systemic level. It's also kind of on a personal level, but uh, we can't just keep things uh, as normal. We have to uh, make things better. And this is a little bit of a song about that. Strikes across the frontier and strikes for higher wage. Planet lurches to the right as ideologies engage. Suddenly it's repression moratorium on rights. What did they think the politics of panic would invite? person on the street shrugs, security comes first, but the trouble with normal is it always gets worse. Callous men in business costumes speak computerese, play pinball with the third world, try to keep it on its knees. Their single crop starvation plan puts sugar in your tea, and the local third world's kept on reservations. You don't see the law go back to normal if we put our nation first. But the trouble with normal is it always gets worse. I think I'm going to end it right there because the song goes on and one would have to like Google it in order to find the rest of the song. Because uh, it does go on like fashionable fascism dominates the scene. When the ends don't meet, it's easier to justify the means. The tenants get the dregs, the landlord gets the cream. As the grinding devolution of the democratic dream brings us men in gas masks, dancing while the shells burst. The trouble with normal is it always gets worse. Somebody, when they wrote that song, was feeling a little uppity. All right, well, now that we've had our musical interlude, we can certainly proceed forward uh, if we don't mind. And um, I got, I got uh, um, someone at work just sends a daily, here's what today is, it's National Banana Cream Day and Banana Cream Pie Day and all that kind of stuff. And one of it was, um, about talking about garlic and one thing you can do as a, for a life hack is to uh, plant garlic and, uh, and the mosquitoes can't stand onions either 
So just look at how bad they make humans cry. Can you imagine what an onion does to a tiny insect? That's crazy logic, but the idea is that onions and garlic uh, are such that um, insects don't uh, like them and they won't uh, be away from your vegetables rather than on them eating them. Good. And it keeps ants out of your house if you put it around your house. Yeah, peripheral garlic chives. Yeah. So I mean, this is this is what reskilling and resilience is all about. Is just sharing. Hey, garlic chive, 